0: In a couple of hours, same-sex marriages are set to begin in California. We'll talk with a couple of experts about the problems with gay marriage. And an Army reservist is taking a stand against the war by refusing to report for duty. We'll discuss whether he has that right. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev,
2: tear down this wall.
0: It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what
3: the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings
1: down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter,
3: and we will not fail.
0: Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are most dependent on the family. The family is that most important foundation. And we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation.
4: All right, that's Barack Obama saying the family is the foundation. The father is critical to that foundation. But wait a minute. What is Obama going to say about what's happening in California today at 5 o'clock? Here's AP Correspondent. Eileen Sleitzer, listen very carefully. She's speaking from the San Francisco City Hall.
2: The civil ceremony marriage vows that they have given us does not have a reference for gender. It will have a pronouncing the couple spouses for life. And this will be also for straight couples as well as same-sex couples.
4: At the very time Obama is saying the family is critical, the father is foundational out in San Francisco, Penna. You're going to have judges tonight. Not even identifying the husband or the wife, the father or the mother. It is the destruction of the family. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We're going to talk about the politics of it. We're going to talk about what it means to your family, for your family, your local school. We'll also be talking about the theology of so-called Homosexual marriage
5: later in the program. You don't want to miss that. Also, a U.S. Army reservist, Mathis Giroux, is openly disobeying orders to return to Iraq. He says he considers the war illegal and also unconstitutional. Now, he's already served five years in the Army. He's being reactivated now. And the question is, does he have the right to refuse? We're going to take your calls on this later in the program. Okay. um,
4: Let me just also add that Tim Russert died... um, On Friday, this was a shock to everybody. Uh, We're going to talk about Tim Russert and really what are the lessons we can learn from his life Mm -hmm. uh, and his death in the final segment. Well, John McCain, I think, feels compelled to speak out on the same-sex marriage issue after the California Supreme Court ruled to allow same-sex marriage McCain appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show and said, uh, my views are different than yours.
3: I've heard you uh, articulate that position in a very eloquent fashion. We just have a
2: disagreement, and uh, I, along with many, many others, wish you every happiness.
6: Thank you. So you'll walk me down the aisle? Is that what
4: you say? <laughs> 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 All right, a laughing matter, an applause line. But, folks, this is very serious. Five o'clock out there Pacific time tonight, you're going to have people uh, being married. And California, Penna, is not requiring that people be residents of California, unlike some of these other states uh, that have opened the door for these kinds of ceremonies. So you're going to have people from Texas, from Virginia, from Georgia uh, going out there, getting, quote, married, and then coming back and pressing the legal case In their state. You
5: know, it gives new meaning to that term, destination wedding, which is very popular right now to go to a beautiful destination and get married. I hate to call this word, same sex marriage, marriage. It's not, it's really counterfeit marriage. But uh, they're trying very hard and being successful in some venues like California uh, to make this legal. And, you know, you mentioned Dr. Johnson, Barack Obama's statements at a church over the weekend about fatherhood. And, you know, I commend him for that. It's sort of a la Bill Cosby. He's got a good pulpit to be talking to fathers. What he said was good. But what is happening with this marriage issue is that uh, these children of these same-sex couples, because they do have children via various artificial means or adoption, it's a way of— of intentionally depriving the children of both parents, of two biological uh, male and female parents. And all the studies have shown that this is the best way to raise a child. It's the best environment to raise a child. And same-sex marriage intentionally deprives the children in that home of that type of a home. So in a sense, it's horrible for children. That's the number one reason. We've got lots of other policy reasons, though.
4: All right. Well, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the theology of so-called gay marriage. We'll have a New Testament expert on in about 15 minutes. But right now we're just talking about the politics, the implications for your family, for your school, for your community. Now here's John McCain again on the concept of so-called gay marriage. Here's John McCain. I voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which clearly indicated the unique status of marriage between
3: man and woman. I will continue to support that. I will continue to have my
0: position.
4: All right, so that's John McCain. He did support the Defense of Marriage Act. He has not supported a constitutional amendment, though, Penna. And uh, what's interesting is I think uh, what's happening today at 5 o'clock Pacific time is going to nationalize the issue again. The Mm -hmm. national elections in the fall will be about this. And I think... Obama and McCain are going to have to refine and define their positions because I think the voters are going to be hot about this.
5: All right. John McCain opposed the federal marriage amendment, and he was actually pretty high profile in doing this. So I think he had a big hand in it not really going further than it did. Now, he says that marriage is between a man and a woman. He supported the marriage amendment when it was voted on in the state of Arizona. It didn't pass, though, in Arizona. It's the only state where it didn't pass. I think they're trying again. But what he says is he's for states' rights to define marriage. But the problem is, as we are seeing in California, that if you have a state where it can spread, where they can marry couples, and then couples are going to go to other states and try to get those marriages recognized, it isn't just a state issue. It becomes a federal issue because of the full faith and credit clause of the Constitution. And as we've said before in talking about this, it's going to wreak legal havoc, on states across the nation. Something has to be done about it. There has to be a national definition of marriage.
4: Okay, maybe you think that uh, we're making a mountain out of a molehill. Maybe you think uh, we're obsessing on a minor point here, uh, the private lives of private citizens. Or maybe you agree that this is a major fault line on the family, an attack against the home, uh, against the what Barack Obama called the foundation of our society, that is, the home, the family, and even fatherhood itself. Uh, call us at 800-881-9270 if you want to weigh in, 800-881-9270. And, Larry, what we want to do, I think, right now is let's go out to California. Brian Brown is Executive Director of the California Office of the National Organization for Marriage. And here is Brian Brown commenting today. It's clear
1: that the courts have forced same-sex marriage on the state, and people now are seeing these same-sex marriages, and it's energizing and activating uh, our base for the upcoming vote in November.
4: Okay, so he says it's going to activate the base, and Brown goes on to say, you know, this state has already voted by a significant margin, and this court really has already ignored the people once.
1: But people already voted by 61 percent to define marriage as the union of a man and a woman. And luckily we are going to have a chance to vote again on a constitutional amendment in November.
4: Okay, so in November they're bringing a constitutional amendment up. The uh, the opponents wanted to stay today until that vote. They did not get it. Here's Brown again saying he thinks the people will oppose same-sex marriage.
1: People are amazed that this has happened. And the common sense of Californians, they want to get out there and be able to vote and have their voice
4: heard. All right, and finally, he, he's predicting a victory.
1: The people are going to have their chance to say, we know what marriage is and we want it protected.
4: All right, we want to know what you think out there. We've got Derek on the line from Plano. Derek, thank you for calling. What do you make of these so-called marriages today?
3: i you're speaking to a person who have a uh, older sibling who is uh, gay, and I have voiced my opinion to him. I love him with all my heart, but I do believe uh, that the Christian way is that it is not uh, Adam and Steve, it is Adam and Eve. Uh, And I think it is, uh, for lack of words, uh, and I'm hoping I'm not sounding too abrupt, but yet, hopefully I am, that it should, uh, that our politicians should take a stand and say this is a, an abomination and it should not be. We have to have someone to stand up for the Christian way and say, you know, I'm not concerned about the votes, I am concerned about the Christian way and God be the union of a man and a woman, not a man and a man, and a woman and a woman.
5: You know, That's I really think, Derek, I thank you so much for that. And, you know, I think if a politician stands up for marriage, it's also going to be a popular position nationwide. I mean, it really helped push President Bush over the top in the state of Ohio because it brought people supporting marriage out who also voted for him in 2004 so maybe in california now i've seen polls in california where this marriage amendment is actually fairly close Mm. so it's not a given that it will pass out there but nationwide when you look at the the sort of the composition of the population across the country marriage is still supported and so if john mccain got really strong on this i think it would help him we've got suzanne on the line from denton suzanne thank you for calling what's your view
2: Oh, thank you very much for bringing this issue to the forefront where it needs to be. And, you know, I think that what we're going to have to do is a couple of things. Number one, we must vote in this election. As Even though there's things about John McCain that we disagree with, we can send letters, we can, you know, we can inundate him with things. But this man must be elected over Obama. Uh People are, you know, I hear people saying all the time, well, I'm just not going to vote. It just doesn't make any difference anymore. Yes. It does. John McCain would not have let this happen. And Obama, we don't know anything about this man. We really don't. He's a deep, dark secret. And right. I right. think the day he gets in the White House is when we're going to find out who he is.
4: All right, Suzanne. Well, we've known of John McCain for a long time. And unfortunately, even for John McCain, uh, the so-called uh, skeletons in the audio archive closet, uh, let's listen to John McCain on one of the morning talk shows a couple of years ago.
7: I think uh, I think that gay marriage should be allowed if there's a ceremony kind of thing, if you want to call it that. I I don't have
4: any problem with that. Okay, that's the soundbite that got him on Penna, right here on Jerry Johnson Live. Mm-hmm. That made it to CNN and MSNBC and Fox News. He uh, b- by the time the commercial broke, he He's restated his position. Track. Even in that statement, he said, if you want to call it that. What he meant to say, or he said later, was he was for civil unions. But what it shows me is McCain is not going to be a prophet crying in the wilderness. Even today, when he said, you know, I have a record, and he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, he stood against the marriage amendment for the Constitution. And unfortunately, I don't think we'll see John McCain come to the front on that. Now, Barack Obama is also on the record. Here's Barack Obama.
0: There are some folks who, coming out of the church, uh, have elevated one line in Romans uh, above the Sermon in the Mount.
4: Okay, is that true theologically? We're going to shift from the politics now and the policy to the theological, to the Bible, to the Old Testament, to the New Testament. Dr. Denny Burke coming on in the next segment to talk about the theology of sexuality, homosexuality, homosexual, quote, marriage. Is that is there any way that could be a biblical concept? Is, is Obama right? Is the Sermon on the Mount at odds with the book of Romans or uh, Leviticus when it comes to homosexuality? Also later in the program... Tim Russert, dead at age 58. What are the lessons from his life and his death? This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penedexter from Criswell College. We'll be right back.
0: That's Chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Chriswell College and Criswell Communications. There are some folks who coming out of the church uh, have you know elevated one line in Romans uh, above the Sermon in the Mount.
4: What do you think about the theology? The theology of homosexuality. The theology of so-called gay marriage. Is Obama right? Is Romans over and against the Sermon on the Mount? Now wait just a minute. Today, Obama speaking yesterday, really on Father's Day, about the importance of the home and fatherhood.
0: Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are most dependent on the family. The family is that most important foundation. And we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation.
4: All right, how critical the father is to that foundation. But so-called homosexual marriage will do away with fatherhood. So which will it be? Will it be the home, a father, a mother... Or will it be so-called homosexual marriage? Well, as you know, at 5 o'clock Pacific Time today, judges all across California will begin doing so-called homosexual marriages. And what we want to talk about right now is biblically, theologically, doctrinally, what does the Bible have to say? The number is 800-881-9270. If you have a question, 800-881-9270. Our expert for the moment is Dr. Denny Burke. He's professor of New Testament and Greek at Criswell College. He is editor for the Journal of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Biblical Womanhood. Dr. Burke, welcome to the program. Answer this question. Obama says, Romans is against the Sermon on the Mount on this subject. What do you think?
6: Well, he's... Wrong. Uh, He's taken the tack that's uh, frequently employed by more liberal theologians, which is to say that uh, Jesus and Paul are at loggerheads in the Scriptures. So when you read the letters of Paul and you see his condemnation of homosexuality, which is clear and unambiguous, um, they would say that that disagrees with Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Um, when in fact Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount doesn 't even mention homosexuality, and uh, he doesn 't endorse it at all he just doesn 't mention it um,
4: as a follow up do you think it 's significant when Jesus goes back to the beginning and talks about the two shall be one he 's really going back to the creation model of a man and a woman
6: well that's yeah that, that, that 's the whole uh, story because when Paul or Jesus or any of the other apostolic writers want to define What marriage is. It's interesting that they don't go back to the father of the Jewish nation, to Abraham, who was a polygamist. They don't go back to King David, who was a polygamist. They don't go back to Solomon, who was a polygamist. Um, When they want to talk about what the deepest meaning of marriage is and what the deepest meaning of sexuality is, they go back to Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, where it was one man and one woman, and the two became one flesh and they were cleaving to one another. And so it's a definition that's rooted in a creation order and an order that was established before the fall of man in Genesis 3. And that's both Jesus and Paul who do this.
5: Denny, I think that uh, when a country... Uh sort of uh, tailors its laws to biblical concepts and precepts. That country is blessed, and to the degree that you get away from that, you'll lose the blessing of God. So just in your thoughts, in your opinion, if our country moves away from requiring man-woman marriage as the standard to changing marriage, I mean, do you think that uh, we're going to see havoc and sin and chaos in the nation?
6: Yeah, I I think that there are, you know, two... um negative consequences of sin. There's the judgment of God that comes upon sin, which is revealed from heaven presently in certain ways and which is also something that's going to be revealed at the end of the age. So there's that negative consequence of sin, and there's also just negative human consequences of sin. Um, It's interesting. I think that that Barack Obama, you, you all just played the clip of him affirming that the necessity of a father for a home how do you reconcile that with his stance on homosexual marriage? You right. can't. And the granting of adoption rights to homosexual couples. It doesn't really fit together unless you don't really mean that a father is necessary for the home.
5: Unless it's just political rhetoric. Yeah,
6: there's a, there's a, there, there are deleterious effects for society and for homes. It strikes at the very, found, you know, the, the very foundation of our society is, the, is the family. And when that goes away... Uh, there's all kinds of problems. I mean, you can't even begin to to list them, uh, what they are. You're but listening
4: uh, to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest is Dr. Denny Burke. He teaches New Testament Greek at Criswell College. Dr. Burke, let's go to Jean from Irving. She has a question or a comment. Jean, you're on the air.
2: Uh, hello. I, I agree with Dr. Burke about the definition of marriage, but I, I think most people are not clear on what, the definition of homosexuality really is um it's it's wrong because god says it is of course but i don't think people have a very good picture of what really happens when you become homosexual i can picture somebody somebody's soul standing before god i mean can't you just see it shaking their fist in its face and saying i refuse to be who you created me to be. It's really
6: Gene. a
4: repudiation of God's plan. Dr. Burke, would you just talk to us about uh, Romans 1 uh, on that topic?
6: Well, Romans 1, uh, let me just back up. You played the clip from Barack Obama saying there's only one passage in the New Testament, Romans 1. One verse, he said. That speaks against <laughs> uh, uh, homosexuality. Now, Romans 1 does speak against homosexuality, but it's not the only one. you got 1 Corinthians 6, you got 1 Timothy uh, it's not the only one, but Romans 1 does talk about that, and it talks about God giving over people to the lust of their heart, to degrading passions, the women exchanging the natural function for that which is unnatural, and in the same way also the men abandon the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. He's obviously talking about homosexuality, which was rampant in the first century greco-roman world there's nothing new under the sun one thing i would point out is that while homosexuality is a sin i don't think it's necessarily um a special sin and sometimes it's revealing that all of the steps that we took to get to this point have not been near uh, people haven't been as aghast at those steps Um, um the normalization of just immorality in general heterosexual immorality um, uh, the, the, the entrance of no-fault divorce into the culture. All of these things that have been a, an offense against God have preceded what is, what's gotten us to this point, but they're all equally an offense to God, and they're all equally condemned in Scripture.
4: All right, we've got Bob on the line. Bob, thank you for holding. What's your view on this?
6: Yes, Dr. Johnson. It, uh, plainly it says in Romans that uh, homosexuality is an act against uh, nature. And uh, God showed what marriage was when they took the rib out of Adam and said, uh, here, you need a helpmate. And, uh, I mean, it's just like in New York. Uh, you had a uh, female and a male animal of uh, different sorts. I mean, uh, the perfect example of this is uh, you look out on the pasture, and see, uh, you see uh, bulls and cows out there. How many times have you seen a bull chasing down another bull to uh, have uh, to mate with?
4: Well, that is... Uh Uh, What the Catholics would call natural theology. Dr. Burke, isn't Paul's argument in Romans chapter 1, you mentioned that briefly, you know, you talked about the man and the woman, but isn't there something to the male and female, actually? Uh, Paul goes back to Genesis 1, and um, by nature, I mean, is it part of natural theology that Males and females just go together, besides the idea of marriage.
6: That's what Paul, this is, a, yeah, this is an authoritative word from God that nature reveals the, nor, the, norm, um, the norm of heterosexual unions. Mm. Um, it's clear from nature. The way God made us, our biology makes it clear who goes with who.
4: Well,
5: <laughs> well let's get that, this. That's, that's, fi-
6: Paul's, that's Paul's point in Romans <laughs> 1.
4: Let's get another caller in, Lindsay from DeSoto. What's your comment for Dr. Burke?
2: I wanted to say I very much agree with what you said as far as the the one passage in Romans. It's a very ignorant statement that that's the only line in the Bible that speaks against homosexuality. It's not the first nor the last. And also what you were saying regarding fitting together or just physically, we are not made for that. It's not, in one thing, healthy. God desires that his people be healthy. It's not healthy, and it just doesn't work. They have to either adopt or artificially create children. And it's very clear, even from the practical aspects, that it's not God's will.
4: Hey, thanks, Lindsay, so much. Dr. Burke, we've just got a few seconds with you on here, maybe a minute. Uh, Preaching and teaching biblical sexuality, what cues do you have for the church here to fix all this?
6: Well, it really helps if pastors, when they get to passages like this, if they just won't skip over them, um, if they will teach them and preach them clearly so that there's no fog in the pulpit um, about the moral status of homosexuality, and then to preach positively what God teaches about human sexuality and marriage and to teach the norm of one man and one woman and what the roles are for the man and the woman. And uh, when you can you know, present that to the people, they can see the counterfeits when they come along.
4: Dr. Denny Burke is the editor for the Journal of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. He also teaches Greek and New Testament here at Criswell College. You need to come to Criswell this fall. You can sit under Dr. Burke. Thank you, Dr. Burke, for being with us. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Burke. Folks, I do want to remind you, homosexuality is a sin. It is an abomination, according to the Bible. And Dr. Burke mentions 1 Corinthians 6. Remember, though, what Paul says. Some of you were like this. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. If you believe in Jesus, if you repent of your sin, if you come to Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. Well, let's keep talking about this issue. Also, Tim Russert, dead at 58. What are the lessons from his life and death? This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll be right back.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
6: But in the end, we stopped the federal marriage amendment, and we sent a strong message that we will not stand idly by when anyone tries to write discrimination into our Constitution.
4: All right, that's Hillary Clinton. She's no longer a candidate for president, maybe a candidate for vice president, but she's saying, We stopped, we stopped the federal marriage amendment. Pennant's very interesting because some of the opponents didn't have the guts to say, Well, we believe in homosexual marriage. We believe in, in allowing uh, the homosexuals to have the same rights as heterosexuals uh, in marriage under the law. But uh, they didn't have the guts to say, They agree. But they said politically, look, the states have already spoken, and the states that don't want it have been able to vote against it. That actually was McCain's position, too. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this won't be a problem. States won't be imposing their will on one another. But today, 5 o'clock Pacific time, you're going to have these marriages, so-called, out in California, same-sex couples. And they're going to travel back to their state of origin, and they're going to demand— Uh, Under the um, Constitution, that they have uh, the same rights in one state that they have in another, and that that contract is binding, and you're going to have a constitutional crisis all across the country because Clinton and other liberal politicians Fought the federal marriage amendment. She was bragging. She ought to be ashamed of that. Penny, I know you've written a piece for Of course, for she'd Bapt- only
5: brag to the human rights campaign. She would not do that in a debate. <laughs> but you've re- you're
4: writing a piece for Baptist Press right now. We've talked about this theologically. There's Some people say, well, this isn't really a Christian nation. That's debatable, actually. But they would say, look, we can't outlaw sin, all sins. And they would say, what is the compelling government interest in regulating marriage to a man and a woman, the traditional definition. You've done some thinking about that. What are your thoughts? Well,
5: it's probably one of the most important institutions to the society, and Barack Obama even said that in his talk on Father's Day yesterday. It's the family. Yes, it was God's idea, but yes, it also works for the culture. And what this does is really create permanent fatherlessness or motherlessness in homes. And, you know, some children might have two uh, mothers and then a sperm donor dad, so he's not in their life, he's not providing financial resources or that influence of a father that's so important for the culture and vice versa. Uh, So the family really loses. And, you know, we can see this when we look at Europe, because they are far ahead of us in these same-sex couples, in the government coming in and providing where the fathers are not providing. There's so much uh, societal breakdown. Your taxes go up because you begin to pay for the repercussions of the breakdown of marriage. Now, it's not just same-sex marriage that's messing up marriage. As Denny Burke said, it's no-fault divorce, and it's cohabitation, and lots of other things. But this just puts the nail in the coffin, and it really gives a societal sanction on gay marriage and on really the fact that marriage isn't needed anymore.
4: The European countries that have adopted this model, uh, really the institution of marriage is is gone out the door. Yeah. People just aren't getting married. It will destroy marriage It'll happen here. as we know it. Well, let's shift gears pinna because uh, major story out there today, US Army reservist Mathis Chiro, he's refusing Refusing to fight, refusing to go to Iraq, refusing to report for active duty in Iraq. And uh, he's saying, look, I am basing this dereliction of duty. He doesn't use that phrase, but he's saying, look, I'm not going because I disagree with the war. Now, we're going to listen to him in a minute, but I want you to get ready to call because um, we're, this is a volunteer army, and this really is our question today. Do volunteers who sign up for the military have the right to pick and choose these wars. The number is 800-881-9270. You remember the old line from Vietnam, what if they gave a war and nobody showed up? Well what if they uh, gave a war and the volunteers who signed up for the military did not show up? 800-881-9270. Now, the next voice you hear is Mathis Chereau explaining why he's not fighting.
3: My name is Sergeant Mathis Chereau And I served as an Army photojournalist until being honorably discharged last summer after after over four years of service in Afghanistan, Japan, Europe, and the Philippines. As an Army journalist whose job it was to collect and filter service members' stories, I heard many a stomach-churning testimony of the horrors and crimes taking place in Iraq. For fear of retaliation from the military, I failed to report these crimes, but never again will I allow fear to silence me. Never again will I fail to stand.
4: Okay, so Penna, this is uh, the sergeant, Mathis Shiro. Now he's trying to link this to um, atrocities, supposedly, that he saw, and to say, you know, I was hiding these atrocities. Well, in fact, that's a dereliction of duty because, uh, you know, people ought to have to go. To a court martial, and people have been court martialed mm-hmm. in this war and in every other war we've ever fought. So that's just part of the process. You got to enforce the law for civilians. You got to enforce the law for the military. The military are not above the law. That has nothing to do with whether or not he will show up uh, in uniform for the army that he volunteered to serve under. We want to know what you think of this fellow copping out. He's a volunteer, and uh, a lot of people think that well, maybe Christians need to be pacifist, and we should go soft on this guy. Looks like we got a call, Gala from Ennis. Gayla, what do you think of this?
2: Oh, I think it's a shame. I think it's a downright shame, and it leads a bad influence on other military people that are putting their life, other volunteers that are putting their life on the line to do what their country calls them to do. I think that when you're in the military, that's a badge of honor, Okay. You are a special person to volunteer to put your life on the line, and we should stand behind them. However, this person is evidently probably maybe his mom or somebody from California that's free-thinking that they got out there. I don't know.
5: Well, you know, here's know. the here's the story, Kayla, uh, with his his parents because his father, of course, wants him out, and uh, they don't want him to go to Iraq. That's one place he hasn't gone yet. But what happens when he was discharged last year? They place you in, in this particular part of the reserves on the individual ready reserve, so you're a pool and you can be reactivated. He was reactivated, and so he just doesn't want to go. And I think he's pulled up now the idea that he's seen atrocities, and you know, he conscientiously objects, but. He he says he's not afraid, but I think he is afraid to go to Iraq.
4: All right, we got Joe on the line from Keller. Joe, do you think that volunteers have the choice to pick and choose uh, where they're going to fight?
3: No, I don't think they have the choice at all. I'm actually on the IRR as well, and uh, I took the same oath as he did. We, we took the oath to obey the people appointed over us and the commanding officers, and for him to do that is, is against the rules. I mean, I'm sure he was fine taking the pay when he was in, he's fine taking the pay when he goes into drill you know you need to obey the rules that you that you took an oath and swore that you would uphold those oaths i think it's just ridiculous that he's not willing to do that
4: yeah part of that oath is i will obey the ordinance the orders of the president of the united states and the orders of officers appointed over me according to the regulations and the uniform code of military justice so help me god he's not right. he's not fulfilled that oath let's go to ron from denton Ron, thank you for calling and holding. What's your take on this?
3: Well, thank you, first of all, for your your program and for uh, reiterating the oath of office. I served nine years in the United States Air Force, served proudly, but I knew that when I took that oath and uh, before the the, the flag of the United States that uh, I could be called to go anywhere in the world where the United States military sent me. I was willing to do that. In fact, um I have many family members who have served proudly and for him, this young man to object is a cowardly act. Uh we know that uh, every man, well we are, we serve under a volunteer service that is correct. Uh however, um they have the right not to sign up. And and they they, they won't have to, but once you sign up and you take that oath of office, then it becomes a responsibility and and what he i understand from your conversation served 4 years active duty but what happens is that we understand that there's a total of 6 years of service yes and and so it's a, it can be served that total 6 years in reserve and in an inactive duty but uh in his case and in everyone's case we have that duty to serve he served 4 years active 2 years unactive They decided to activate him at that time while he was in that reserve status, and and he would be a coward. I I can't put it any other way, not to serve.
4: Thank you, Ron, for that call. You know, this has been the third longest war in our country's history. It is the longest war we fought with a volunteer force, so that's all very interesting. But these reserve policies, these stop-loss policies, they're all part of our code, the law, And if you sign up, you know uh, if we go to war, the jig is up, and you're going to be called. You know, all these government education benefits and the cheap groceries and the health care and the the base housing, all of that stuff's great in peacetime, but when we go to war, it's time to fulfill your part of the contract. And these people, they see the military, some of them, some of them, uh, as some kind of a— social program or gravy train but when I mean soldiers are actually people who are supposed to fight and they have to kill or be killed I mean that's what a soldier does And uh, this man evidently did not understand
5: his job. You know, you could understand that a person would be tired of it after five years. Yes, But it's his duty. And as you said, he signed up for it. And it's not only his own reputation that's at stake, because what he's doing is sort of giving a free pass or at least some sort of an opening for others to do the same thing.
4: All right. So when we come back, we're going to contrast this story about Sergeant Mathis Chirot uh, with... The story of Ross McGinnis, who won the Medal of Honor. We're going to talk about what he did. We're going to talk about what his parents said at the ceremony. Also, another death in the news the last three days. Tim Russert, dead at age 58. Uh, What does this mean for us? What does his life mean? Um, Will the election be the same without him? What does his death mean for us? Let's talk about it when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter.
0: college today for information about the upcoming term call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu that's criswell.edu you're listening to jerry johnson live now here's your host dr jerry johnson president of criswell college and criswell communications
4: in just a moment, we'll talk with someone who worked with Tim Russert and find out a little bit more about what he was like and try to learn some lessons from his life and even his death. But right now we're talking about U.S. Army Reservist Mathis Charro He's refusing to report for duty and really contrasting that right now with uh, the most recent Medal of Honor winner and recipient, PFC Ross McGinnis. At the Southern Baptist Convention last week, I heard the head of the U.S., chaplains, uh, military chaplains, he's a Southern Baptist, Uh, speak about that award ceremony uh, for Ross McGinnis. Uh, Ross McGinnis was in a vehicle, a grenade was thrown in, he had a split-second decision to make, and he decided to dive on that grenade and save the life of the other four. And he did it, and he gave his life. And um, it's fascinating to read all that the parents had to say at the ceremony, but they said, you know, don't try to um repay this. You know, you can't no one can repay us, you know, for the mm-hmm. for the loss of his life. He gave his life. We can't repay that. But what we can do because he gave his life for us and for these men, is that we can live honorably. And I thought that was a very interesting word. Um uh, We, uh, it's not just with him, it's with all these soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan, thousands now have given their life, and um, we should remember that as we get up, go to work, go to bed at night, and live our lives, that there are people suffering and dying and sacrificially giving, that we might live in freedom. And that's really the proper attitude to have toward the military.
5: I do think I want to reiterate part of that because I think, you know, as we've talked about this one soldier who doesn't want to continue, we've got to say thank you to those who are serving, who have given their lives or have sacrificed their time and are serving now because that it is just a great gift to this country that these people are doing this. So, you know, we always want to acknowledge that and say thank you to them for doing so. Mm. And uh, this week...
4: Tim Russert, dead at age 58. Um, he was the host of Meet the Press. Mm-hmm. Um, Penna, what are your memories of this man?
5: And um, Well... He was talented, He was, and he was also a hard-working person, well-prepared. Uh, he was a vice president there at NBC. Uh, people that knew him said that he was always willing to encourage someone moving up the ranks in journalism, that he was a great encourager in that way. And um, Bob Schieffer, who is at his competitor, CBS, said that it's going to take – Four or five people to replace Tim Russert. So as they look to fill his chair, uh, there are a lot of other duties that he performed that other people will have to do. I think that uh, he was known as a person who was always courteous, always polite. And uh, even though I did not agree with him politically in many cases, <laughs> uh, and he would when he would disagree with those, he did it in a courteous way. And I think treating the person as some worthy of respect, as someone worthy of respect, even though. Perhaps you were not on the same side on many issues.
4: You know, this was the longest running show; it still is on television. This mm-hmm. show has been on the air over sixty years. But Russert redefined the show. He had a very positive attitude. You know, I, one of the most memorable messages I've heard, James uh, Chuck Swindoll preach, is his message on your attitude—the right attitude—and he talks about how the fact that attitude is. You know, 90% of what you do every day, and I picked this up from everyone who worked with him, worked around him. We're waiting on a call right now from someone who used to work with him uh, that this man had a positive attitude. It was contagious. Uh, Also, the emphasis on fatherhood. He wrote a book about his father, about uh, Big Russ, I think um, his own father, and then his life as a father. He had been over there in Europe um, with his son Mm -hmm. celebrating his graduation from college. That says a lot about this kind of, um, you know. He's a star. He was a broadcasting star. Taking time off, going to celebrate his son's graduation in Europe with his wife, and uh, but he comes back and he's recording voiceovers on Friday, and uh, he just has a heart attack right there in the chair. Age fifty-eight, you know. And I was talking to some family members about uh, other family members, you know, who are seventy or other people we know who are 80, and uh, you don't expect this man, who is 58, to uh, just die like that. Now, we've got someone on the line who's worked with Tim Russert, who knows him, and that is Mike Tyrone. He is vice president of KCBI and Criswell Communications and really runs the operation. This is the man that makes it all happen over at KCBI. And um, Mike, though, came out of the NBC family when he came to KCBI, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Tell us what you remember, what we need to know about this man, Tim Russert.
7: I'll tell you, Jerry, he's one of those guys that, uh, you know, a lot of times you, you talk about somebody, he was, he was one of those guys that was the real deal. Uh, you put on the TV and all these folks are talking about him. I was watching Carville and Mary Madeline and uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin and all these folks on Meet the Press yesterday, and he was all the things they said. He was the real deal. Uh, and he was an authentic, genuine guy who loved his family, who loved his job. He was like a kid in a candy store. He loved politics, and uh, he just loved the whole game. One thing I respect about it respected about him and uh, and i 've uh, tried to use in my life and uh, it was the way that he just he wanted to win at all costs i mean he 'd be on the <laughs> phone uh, trying to get Arnold Schwarzenegger on trying to get the best guests, and he raised the bar. Uh, as far as bookings are for all of sunday morning i can 't imagine uh going through the political season without a grilling from tim Russert, and it's it's just amazing to think about that uh he just he was a re- he was a real deal, always smiling, always telling us to go get him um, just a a good good guy, and uh, just going be a huge loss not only for this political season but just just for the
5: NBC family. Mike, you know how busy it is in television. And one thing I was reading about Tim Russert was not only, of course, was the host of uh, Meet the Press, but he did so many other television shows. He'd be a guest on the Today Show in the morning. He'd be on at night. And so, in a sense, he really uh, ran himself ragged and worked very hard. Is that what it's like in uh, major network TV?
7: Yeah, unfortunately, now with the twenty-four hour news cycle, you know you got to be if you, you got to be on in the morning and dissect it on the Today Show, uh, and then you got to come in and do your hits for MSNBC during the day. Then uh, you got to come in in the evening for the you know the the news with Brian Williams, uh, and then you got analysis in, in the evening. You know, hmm. covering the primaries all through the night. And if you're Tim Russert, everybody wants to hear what Tim has to say about it. And he was one of those guys. I'll tell you, I've asked him to do a few things. He never said no. He, he, he
4: always would, you know, if you said, Tim, we want you to do something, he would do it. Mike, uh, I've got and, to say, no, we're out of time. I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> but thank you so much for joining us. And we can thank God for the good memories we have of somebody like Tim Russer and the inspiration. But, folks, we've got to remember this. Life is a vapor. Jesus told that story about the man who said, I'm going to build greater barns. And Jesus said, thou fool, this night thy soul will be required of thee. Man knows not his time. Are you ready to meet your maker? That's a very important question. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penned See you tomorrow.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.